triggered by the rains, an all-devouring army. Locusts. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Danger Room, the X-Men Comics commentary podcast. I am co-host Adam. And I am co-host Jeremy. How are you doing, Jeremy? I have been better. <laughs> it's not this issue that has caused such trouble, is it? Uh, this issue has put me out of sorts. <laughs> We're talking about the X-Men number 24, the September 1966 issue, The Plague of the Locust. Yes, and what a plague it was. We have a nice cover featuring a man wielding a lightsaber. <laughs> what is Iceman doing on the cover? <laughs> Iceman has fainted. He's studying the ground. Hmm. Uh, the guy with the lightsaber, it actually looks like he's got a microphone, which the cable is attached to his back. That's what powers the lightsaber. He's in black and white. There's smoke coming out of that lightsaber. Iceman has apparently tripped over his own feet and is laying on the ground. He, he looks like uh, Rodan's the thinker. Yeah, kind of. Once again, they are in hell, as denoted by the red background. Oh, the other... Uh New thing to this is that we have Professor X at the top of the page now as part of the logo. Yep. He's having uh, a brain aneurysm. Angel is no longer flying high above the logo. It's 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 the professor thinking very loudly. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like he's taking it now. <laughs> he is he's in much pain and there's lots of lightning bolts exploding from his head. Wonder dumb. So as we enter this very exciting issue of the X-Men, we see that it is edited by Stan Lee, scripted by Roy Thomas, arted by Werner Roth, inked by Dick Ayers, and lettered by Sam Rosen. I just now did some research about Werner Roth because we were wondering why he changed his name from Jay Gavin. We mentioned last episode. Mm -hmm. According to Wikipedia... He did so to conceal his Marvel work from the editors at DC. Apparently, he was a romance comic artist at DC, although I imagine he was doing superhero comics by this time. So he was a two-timer. Yeah. A double agent, if you will. Apparently, that was a bad thing back in the day. Yeah, sure. I have to imagine that. I mean, even it seems like even throughout like the 80s and maybe even some of the 90s, there were some like Marvel or DC exclusivity deals. I mean, in our, in our time, uh, I mean, Jim Lee wouldn't have had his name on a DC comic book or Todd McFarlane or et cetera until they That's went true. and formed their own comic books. Now I think, I, I don't think there's so much of that exclusivity. I think you can pretty much do whatever you want to. Oh no, there's still exclusivity. Oh, is there? Yeah. People sign year long contracts. Okay. They generally, the contracts last for like a year, but. Well, I know that like Robert Kirkman writes for everybody right now, so Marvel, DC, and um, Image. Well, yeah, that's part of his his deal is that he gets to continue writing whatever he wants for Image. Okay. Well, anyways, all right. Lots of other people make similar deals and stuff like that. Probably. So this uh, this issue is called The Plague of the Locust. You remember that villain that keeps coming up? He's kind of like the uh, Magneto of the X-Men, an arch nemesis who keeps occurring uh, like the Blob or Eunice. It's the Locust, remember? Is Magneto the Magneto of the X-Men? <laughs> oh, yeah. What I'm trying to infer here is that you remember the Locust because he's always in the issues. He comes back every few years, right? Um, 
Uh, how do you want me to play this? <laughs> I don't know. I would like you to laugh and like we just move on. <laughs> All right. So there, we're in the study. And uh, last issue, we learned that Marvel Girl had received a letter from her parents stating that she must come home. And um, as is revealed at the very bottom of this page, she is being sent to a regular college since she's graduated. Yep. Her parents know nothing of her mutant powers. Mm-hmm. She wants to borrow some books, and the professor graciously says, you can have those books. I don't know. This is kind of a needless page. But uh, but Iceman does say, the school won't be the same without Marvel Girl, will it, Scott? No, Bobby, yeah. I guess not. And neither will I ever. Both Cyclops and Warren are having uh, secret affection thought balloons mm-hmm. towards Jean Grey's leaving. For months, I've wanted Jean to return my affection. Just when I thought I would have the chance, I may have lost her for good. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, there's a lot of romance drama going on here. Maybe that's why Werner Roth decided to take on this. He's like, oh, man, it's so juicy here, the <laughs> <laughs> the soap opera that is the X-Men. So Jean gets all tearful and runs upstairs to change out of her costume. Mm-hmm. The X-Men watch through a hole that they've drilled into her bedroom wall. <laughs> oh, wait, no, they don't. Um... They talk and they say, oh, she was crying as she was running up those stairs. She just doesn't want to admit it. We better give her a present. So they give her a corsage, which I thought corsages were for boys, but what do I know? I thought they were for weddings. I mean, is that is that what you give? Like, oh, you've been our friend through thick and thin. You've risked your life for us and we've risked your life for us. So here's a flower. Maybe in the 60s, it was more of a thing. I find it interesting here. Um, and I don't know if this is foreshadowing or if uh, future artists and storytellers would take this, but Jean Grey, whenever she gets dressed in her plain clothes, seems to be dressed in green. Hmm. Which, as some of us know, as we move forward on, becomes a more prominent color in her costume. That's interesting. Hmm. I yeah. think it has more to do with the color palettes. No, but it's the only interesting Fine. thing that happens on this page. <laughs> Other than uh, Professor says, uh, Angel, why don't you take uh, Marvel Girl to her college? And for some reason, Angel and Cyclops drive her to college. Well, because Cyclops is torn up inside, and the least he can do is ride along and say absolutely nothing to her. <laughs> and yeah, and uh, apparently we learn that Johnny Storm also goes to the same school and... Everybody wonders, wouldn't it be hilarious if Marvel Girl dated Johnny Storm? And it's really not that interesting, but they all Except that neither of those guys want her to because they're both madly in love with her. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, we get a a Scott Summers Cyclops thought balloon. If only I dared hold her in my arms and tell her how much I need her. But I can't. Not until I'm cured of the curse of my deadly eyes. <laughs> just take them out. Just pluck them out, Cyclops. You have the power. A couple of toothpicks, you're all set. Deadly eyes. As they drop her off, Cyclops somehow uh, uh, affectionately says, Here, Jean, let me take your suitcase. Yeah, I was wondering about that. <laughs> Marvel Girl, it says. The tone in her voice, almost as if, could he... Willie, does he care for me? I don't know how she got that from let me carry your suitcase. Here, Gene, <laughs> let me take your suitcase. That just sounds creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Could it be? He's just a pervert? <laughs> I gotta, I, maybe I'm gonna jump the gun here, but I gotta ask, like, 
Throughout these comic books, there has been really no compelling conversation between Jean Grey and Cyclops that would lead you to believe that they have anything in common with each other or, or even any sort of, uh, you know, um, mental connection or, or whatever you want to uh, call it, let alone physical attraction. Like, obviously, we get the idea that Marvel Girl is a very attractive, young, redheaded lady, but Cyclops is always portrayed as a skinny, dumpy, pathetic, guy so i mean is there any physical attraction there see this issue was the straw that broke the camel's back in regards to their relationship because yeah i totally agree for some reason i always just kind of bought it right until now and now i'm just like what what does she see in this dude (laughs) well they're both laying it on really thick here and uh we've never actually really gotten a sense that one day they took a long walk and they talked about their chilled childhood and they had a lot in common. They liked the same books and music or, or whatever it takes to have a successful relationship. Never have we seen that. All we've seen is, oh, oh, I care for her so much. Oh, oh, if only he would hold me. It's like she got to the X-Men and she was like, which one of these boys shall I fall in love with? <laughs> I'll, I'll take the skinny, pathetic one that... that uh, uh, There's a bow tie. Yeah, there was a bow tie. I get hot for bow ties. Anyways. She even says, if only I could have fallen in love with uh, Warren instead of with Scott. But maybe it's too late now for any of us. The world's ending, apparently. (laughs) I don't know. That's kind of trampy, though. She's in love and she can't fall in love with anybody else. What's the tramp? But she says, maybe it's too late now for any of us. Indicating that at one point there may have been a shot for her and the angel. Well, if she had chosen Angel when she chose one of the five guys at random, <laughs> yeah, that was his big chance. Ted Roberts uh, descends upon the situation and says, hey, you guys need to enlist? Oh, it's just the lady? Well, let me show her where enrollment is. And off they go. Yep, and she refuses to turn around. I'd like that, Ted, very much. Anything, anything that will keep me looking back at Scott. Yeah, because he's going to uh, split a big orange drink with her. And I think we all know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're going to the mall to have an orange Julius. Did they have orange Juliuses in the 60s? Or are they literally talking about a big glass of Tang? <laughs> a big orange drink. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I've dated a few women in my life, and never once have I been like you and maybe you and me, baby. Let's go split a big glass of orange drink. So Cyclops, uh, he decides that's how it ends, and uh, maybe it's best because of his deadly eyes or some such nonsense. And then we switch to a man in a bug uniform standing outside some corn stalks <laughs> for no reason whatsoever. This is where the issue begins to go downhill. (laughs) As if it wasn't already going downhill, it really starts descending quickly here. So this, uh, this guy is the locust. And he even says, this is the day of the locust. Uh Classic literature. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) he, wow, he's growing these, Eggs of grasshoppers. Yeah, and I guess they are grasshoppers. I, th- I, I guess I originally thought they were locusts, but looking closer, they're, they're grasshoppers. But he basically sprinkles them upon the corn and then grows them or something. Yeah, they start growing as, like, they start eating, and every time they eat, they grow. Right. 
So they like take a bite, they grow, they take a bite, they grow. So they should be growing pretty fast. And so the farmer, he hears this loud crunching and we know he's a farmer because he's wearing his red, uh, what would you call this? Complete suit of long underwear, underwear. Yep. Very traditional, very farmer. Yep. He hears this crunching noise and he wakes up and he looks out the window and he sees giant grasshoppers eating his crops. Yeah, he. it looks like, I mean, if I was uh, to see this myself, I would think it was like a rock concert or something. <laughs> and uh, the locust is doing some sort of, you know, on guitar arm. He's got his arm up like he just plucked his guitar. I look at it like he's actually composing a symphony. Yeah, that works too. <laughs> he's, he's definitely performing for all these giant grasshoppers. Right. So, yeah, this farmer looks out the window. All, all he sees is giant grasshoppers and some crazy guy in a locust uniform, either playing air guitar or conducting music. But either way, it's pretty crazy. And then the next morning, the police arrive and the guy's crops are all gone. Mm-hmm. I guess it's like a couple hours later. Mm-hmm. And um, by the time I could load my gun, the oversized critters had already leveled my field and hopped away. That's That's pretty fast. I'm imagining this farmer guy has had plenty of practice loading his gun. <laughs> he is a regular gun loader. Sure. So 30 seconds they ate through this field. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Very, very, very quick grasshoppers there. Well, I think it was all the conducting that the locust was doing. <laughs> <laughs> we then cut over to the X-Men who are minus one, but in the danger room, training anyways. Beast mentions Jean's absence. And then we cut to Professor X, who looks cross-eyed in this panel. He is very pupil-y here. He doesn't <laughs> look cross-eyed, but I can understand what, what you're going for. They're, these eyes are very oddly drawn. His, his pupils got, are very prominent. He's got small white pupils. Yeah, and they're even colored a little bit differently in the book that I'm reading, but they still look like crazy eyes. Yeah. And I'm wondering, now last issue we discovered that he had invented like a belt buckle power sourced leg mover. Yeah, so why isn't he using that? Yeah, and yet he is in his wheelchair. This is really not explained, but maybe he's conserving the batteries. We don't know. Yeah, he's a self-torturer. Yeah, he's like Cyclops. My deadly feet! I can't love until... (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. So he... uh has heard on the radio reports of giant... See, now, he calls them locusts here, but the images that we looked at, those were grasshoppers. Well, what's the difference between a grasshopper and a locust? I don't know. I mean, locusts... Don't locusts eat all the crops and when God sends the rapture or something like that? Okay. According to uh, Wikipedia... I thought locusts <laughs> look different than grasshoppers, but carry on. Locusts are the swarming phase of short-horned grasshoppers of the family... Acrididae. Okay. So they're a certain type of grasshopper. So apparently we're the idiots, not the comic book writers. All right, so. Hooray! (laughs) No. Let's go back. The grasshoppers, I mean the locusts that were eating the grass field. Anyways, the professor wants to check this out because these are possibly mutated locusts. And if there's mutation involved, so are the X-Men. Okay, I can see that. It's it's a definition of, you, you know... How the, how the X Men are mutated, but why not? Sure, it's like the the Ghostbusters almost, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, Busters. If there's a mutation, who are you going to call? X Men Busters. <laughs> <laughs> so they get in their dumb looking X copter instead of that cool jet they bought a few issues ago. 
<laughs> this is their high-speed X-copter. Yes, and somebody even comments about how fast this X-copter actually is. Specifically because they want to get there before anybody else does. I guess the National Guard is on their way. Yeah. And uh, Professor X does not want the X-Men to be seen anywhere near these locusts because it's been like the last four issues they've been blamed for everything it's so yeah it's, it's pretty much the the x-men are now a covered team they're <laughs> they're not helping anybody if they're going to be seen they're they're all undercover work from now on yeah they've had a pretty uh they've had a pretty rough pr campaign over the last few months so they're they're laying low but i still gotta wonder you know why don't they take why don't is this x-copter really faster than the, the jet and if it is why did they buy that jet in the first place <laughs> Seems like they could have given them some money for their vacation the last issue instead of buying the X-plane. But anyways, they land in the cornfield and the uh, munching locusts are still eating away. So we have to imagine at this point if they devoured an entire field in 30 seconds, I mean, they must have actually gotten through the entire uh, breadbasket of America by this point. (laughs) (laughs) The locust sees the X-Men approaching... Uh, the locusts. <laughs> the locusts or the locust? The locust sees the uh-huh. X-Men going after the locusts. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, he does. And and he does that fist pump. Ooh, the X-Men. I better get out of here. I'm not ready for them yet. And we know he's evil because he has a goatee and a mustache. Yeah, which looks very silly in his costume. <laughs> yes, even more silly than his costume looks without the goatee and mustache. Uh, so the X-Men literally start fighting these giant locusts. And yeah, we get two pages of m- locust battles um, in which the X-Men actually kill like three locusts. Yeah, the coolest part. I mean, we could describe all the action, but suffice to say, it's the X-Men fighting bi- giant bugs. Who cares, right? But Yeah, uh, and they actually are winning, which is a rarity for the <laughs> score for Team X-Men. Go, but, go team. But on page seven, the coolest thing happens. Iceman makes an ice spear and and throws one right through the locust. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> now, the one that yours is colored now, there's kind of an explosion. It says, Zish, Fack. The little explosion graphic there, mine is white. What color is yours? Mine's white, too. Oh, okay. Uh, it'd be cooler if that was, like, all bloody. <laughs> but no, I guess yeah, comics code was heavily enforced at this point. But yeah, he, I mean, if I'm to look at that uh, that ice spear and that locust, that locust is cut in half. And the same thing, Cyclops blasts the crap out of one of them in, in the next couple panels. Yeah, the locust grabs Iceman from the back, but yeah, Cyclops just blasts him away. And again, we're a little censored here, but I got to imagine that that locust is in about three or four pieces after uh, Cyclops' dangerous eye beams. Yeah, the X-Men take no chances with these locusts. And then for some reason, it took three or four hours to call out the uh, pesticide guy, but the helicopter with the pesticides flies by and takes care of the rest. Yeah, the National Guard still has not arrived, but Johnny Pesticide is here. <laughs> so you got to wonder, was this really a job for the X-Men when all it took was a little DDT to kill these things? <laughs> Except the DDT doesn't work, and he ends up just dousing the X-Men. Yeah, well, yeah, right. The X-Men get covered in DDT, but... Uh, they use a plan where Angel flaps his wings really hard and um, the DDT clears. And unfortunately, Cyclops couldn't think of that plan. Professor X had to telepathically tell Angel to do that. To which Beast responds, A telepathic thought from Professor X. As always, he's in cough. 
relative control of the situation. <laughs> so Angel clears out the smoke with his wings. Uh, Professor Xavier alerts them to the presence of the National Guard. So they flee because, once again, Professor X does not want them associated with any signs of trouble. And any locusts that weren't killed with the pesticides are flamethrowed, flamethrowed, are flamethrowered by the National Guard. And then we go to college again. Yep, we're cutting back to Jean Grey with her new buddy, Ted. We're talking about mysterious Dr. Hopper. Hmm, Dr. Hopper. Who could that be? I don't know. Couldn't be anybody associated with a grasshopper. Apparently, Dr. Hopper was kicked out of this college. He used to be a professor here. So my question is, why is he walking through their cafeteria? <laughs> yeah, because he no longer works here. He works at the Ryan Corporation or something like that. But again, we know he's evil because he's got the beard and the goatee. I mean, the mustache and the goatee. So maybe he's like picking up an old check or something. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, I actually quit on the 15th and I was paid for the 27th. So I was wondering if, uh, could I get those last? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we get a very wordy description of why Doc Hopper is crazy and his theories upon, I don't know, I don't, uh, ionic rays or some such nonsense and and how they can affect bugs or something crazy because his theories are that bugs are going to get gigantic basically mysterious yeah and so gigantic bugs where have i heard that before (laughs) so ted fills gene in on these kooky ideas and gene's like in x-man mode and this is what I don't understand. I don't think this is ever explained, but in the last panel of page eight, she says, because uh, uh, Doc Hopper has spoken a few words, uh, she says, nothing. It's just something about him, something in his voice. Uh, yeah, it, it is never explained, but I think um, my explanation for it is she hears the sound of pure evil. Mm. I see what you're saying. She recognizes him as a villain because it's kind of sounded like are they trying to infer that she recognizes his voice but they've never met that doesn't make any sense that's what i thought at first too but then it never gets referenced again so i'm just i think that's a safe assumption she's met a lot of crazy dudes with her time in the x-men so she's able to probably pick out the crazies that are trying to take over the world or whatever their plans are yeah yeah okay so Anyhow, um, Doc Hopper makes his way through the college that he was fired from and makes his way back to his Ryan Chemicals lab so that he can take a look at his insects. And did you think that there were giant insects flying around the lab? Well, in this first, yeah, in this first panel, it looks like there's a giant beetle flying in the foreground. Yeah, but apparently they're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's going on here, but, but he does, uh, he activates his magno ray to enlarge a caterpillar. Yep. And then he activates a portable version of the magno ray, testing that out to enlarge a beetle. And then he has the two of them fight. Yeah. And he's basically like, Oh look, it's the circle of life. The big beetle kills the big caterpillar. Just like the little beetle would have killed the little caterpillar. Isn't it beautiful? And then he flamethrows them. It makes no sense. Like, of course, well, all right. So you enlarge two things that fight each other, and they did the exact same thing they would have done little. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyways, I think it, I've, at this point, I've given up kind of 
really trying to digest what is being said on this page. But I think uh, he was trying to convey a message of urgency in the college that all oh, these bugs one day might rise up because of magno rays or ionic rays, and, and we need to look out. And he was chastised for those ideas. So now he's trying to prove that he is due some credit. And in order to get that credit, he's going to manufacture a crisis which he can solve. I'm not sure, but he seems like maybe he was evil while he was in college and this was his plan all along. Um, his plan is to create extremely large insects, which will validate his theories that there are extremely large insects, at which point he will uh, find a cure for them and be a hero. Now, my question is, did he already have this plan when he was in college or did he form it after getting booted out of college? I don't know. I have no idea because, again, as I read this issue, it was just so hard to comprehend and digest the text that was going on that I couldn't quite get my head around the plot. But basically, it seems like all he wants is a little bit of credit Yeah, for something. So anyways... We go back to the uh, X-Mansion where Professor Xavier has got his stethoscope out and he is monitoring the vitals of a giant locust, apparently. Mm-hmm. And uh, we also learn that the X-Copter has a portable version of Cerebro. And because of that and its 25-mile radius, the locust cannot himself be a mutant and must have some other method of enlarging these bugs. Indeed which we, the reader, already know is a Magno Ray. And then Marvel Girl returns, saying that it's the weekend and she can be a temporary X-Men again. She's drunk. X-Man. She's been drinking 40s all Friday because it's weekend, finals were over. She's like, hey, guys, you want a party? <laughs> Woo! No, she doesn't do that. Instantly, she jumps into X-Men mode and says, I want to help. Which kind of is a cheat, right? Because at the beginning of the issue, we're like, oh, Marvel Girl's gone. But here we are. Nine pages later, she's like, hey, let's go fight the Locust. Yeah, she's a weekend X-Men, which I don't know. I, all the X-Men could be weekend X-Men, really. It, yeah, we're never really told what day these adventures happen. I mean, for all we know, they are actually every Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, um, uh, the professor kind of lays on like what the situation is. And Marvel Girl is like, oh, I just happened to meet some crazy guy who's got some similar theories about Giant bugs taking over the world. His name is Doc Hopper. Really? You must yeah. be the guy. So the professor goes out to meet Dr. Hopper, but he is not in at his plant at his laboratory in Ryan Industries. Chemicals. Instead, he meets this Ryan Chemicals. <laughs> and he meets this uh Mr. Hamilton. Yep. Who uh shows him around his lab and the professor is able to analyze objects in the lab mentally yeah well this annoying mental probing that he does well mr hamilton first of all says or dr hamilton whoever he is says well doc hopper he's a very private guy and doesn't like anybody in his lab but i'm sure he'd let you in mr expert of mutants yeah like what how does this credential like he once had a theory about x-men during the whole sentinel battle and now he's the most famous expert on mutants and and no matter what he's got the key to it well nobody else wants to take that position so he is the authority on mutants okay and then yes you're right the professor mentally probes 
mechanical equipment and finds traces of the the good Doc Hopper. He finds traces of missing locust eggs and uh, some... He doesn't really find much of anything except for a giant map. Well, that's what I was going to say is the worst part, like, okay, so he's got his mental connection with the mechanical gear. That's not even the worst part of this whole encounter. The worst part is this map that's this huge map that's on the wall that has all of these X's. And what do X's usually denote on a giant map in some evil man's laboratory? (laughs) X-Men. Oh, yeah, yeah. These are all the positions of the (laughs) X-Men. No, it just basically, like, it indicates these are the places that I am going to attack. Please come find me at one of these X's. Yeah, this is pretty foolish of Dr. Hopper. It Well, it's lazy writing, if you ask me. I mean, couldn't... I mean, really, there's only three locations. He couldn't memorize that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, I'm going to attack upstate New York and then the Midwest. Hmm, I better write this down. <laughs> I might forget. I'll put the biggest X where I start, and then smaller X is where I'm going to go next. That way, anybody who's looking for me will know where I've already been and where I'm going. So, Professor X thinks that Dr. Hopper might be... Uh, have something to do with the giant locusts and immediately leaves to go back to the X-Men. They hop in the X-Copter and are off to the second location of the X's. Yes. He's like, hmm, first of all, my mental probe of his equipment kind of confirmed what I believed, and then this giant map on the wall, that really kind of solidified everything. (laughs) I think we should go check out this location. What do you think? So they do, and they, lo and behold, discover uh, a bunch of locusts eating away. And um, I like this this panel on page twelve, the lower left hand panel. It's a it's a good um, it's a very small bunch of X Men, but I like all of their poses. Oh, okay, sure. Cyclops looks like he's got command of the group. The Beast is acting like the Beast. Iceman and Marvel Girl are ready, and Angel is zooming off to find out what's going on. You're right. Again, if we were to do like a McFarlane toy th- series, this would this would be a very good one to use if we were just a little bit closer in on the entire group. Yeah, and we definitely have to drop the locust in the foreground because mm-hmm. that's just kind of pointless. <laughs> I would I would go with stupid. <laughs> Speaking of stupid, <laughs> some guy in a locust costume appears with a fiery red background. Bum, 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 bum. The locust shows up to confront the X-Men saying, I wouldn't bother confronting you if I wasn't amazing. And then basically he shows up the X-Men. Did the you... X-Men get showed up by a guy in a Logos costume. Well, and this is really where the issue kind of lost me. <laughs> did you ever uh, watch that show on Fox called The Tick? Well, I mean, it's based yeah. on uh, uh, Dark Horse Comics, right? Yeah. Tick. This, if this guy Some was... This company. If, I don't think it was Dark Horse, but well, irrelevant. Yeah. It was published by Dark Horse, but anyways, um, I think if he was missing that little tail section here on page 12, and he wasn't green and he was blue, I think he would be a spitting image of the tick. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spoon! <laughs> but but then, then you're right. The X-Men... Okay, so remember a couple of issues ago, we had our Danger Room encounter with Colosso? Mm-hmm. And we learned the value of teamwork... In that battle with Colosso? Well, apparently the X-Men did not, because each one of them singly attacks some stupid professor in his stupid costume who actually has no superpowers whatsoever, and each one of them gets their hat handed to them. Yeah, and it becomes kind of the Locust show as we, we get inside his head, and he we kind of are listening to him as he takes on the X-Men one by one and how he defeats them, which... 
I find a little less interesting than the characters that I've grown to know and love. Yes, me too. And so the X-Men, after having been pretty much beat... Uh, shown up, at least. Shown up. He, the the um, Locust flies away, but then flies back or something, because then all of a sudden all of the X-Men attack him at once on page... Whatever page this is. Page 14. Yeah, that's essentially what happens. He yeah. flies away, and then he flies back, <laughs> and then he slips on a patch of ice. And uh, the X-Men are about to gang up on him, and he calls a gigantic beetle to attack them. They all run away. Ah! And then he creates a swarm of wasps. And this is when I started thinking, wait, this guy's Ant-Man. <laughs> right. No, but he does it with a flashlight. I think Ant-Man, didn't he have pills or something that he used? But he also had a helmet, which he controlled the ants with. And oh. this guy also has a helmet with antenna, which he controls the wasps with. Good point. Well, see, but he creates the giant wasps with his flashlight. But then you're right. His antennae are used to control the wasps. So, Ant-Man. Yeah, Ant-Man 2, or Dark Ant-Man. Or Lame Ant-Man. <laughs> pretty much. So, the... Ant-Man is already pretty lame as it is. So. <laughs> Lamer, Lamer Ant-Man. Ant-Man. <laughs> Agreed. So, um, all of the X-Men attack this giant beetle, and as soon as they take care of the giant beetle... Which they do by stabbing it through the heart with an ice... Uh, Pole again. A big ice spear that Beast and Iceman are helping to plunge within the beetle. But then they turn around just in time to find a giant wasp. Multiple giant wasps. So Iceman creates a ice dome around them, and um, for a while the I, the wasps are threatening, but then the wasps realize that there are locusts, and they go battle the locusts, which seriously, if, if I was Professor uh, Locust there, I would be like, Oh, I forgot. Wasps and locusts don't like each other. No. Yeah. Again, this is just no better. This is right. If he's an entomologist, as he claims, he he should have known that and should have planned accordingly and not brought two opposing species with him in the same, I don't know, belt buckle or whatever. I got to imagine he's kind of got like a utility belt attachment for all these bugs. But anyways, my first thought was when Iceman creates this big ice bubble, I was like, well, that's a good idea. But then my second thought was like, won't they run out of oxygen pretty quickly? Like maybe, maybe Cyclops could blast pinpoint holes in the sides. Yes, right. And he doesn't exactly do that, but on the next page he blasts. Uh, as, as the wasps go to attack the locusts, who are natural enemies, Cyclops blasts the uh, dome apart so that they can get out. Just in time for the National Guard to come once again with their flamethrowers. So I think the lesson here for the X-Men is just come with some flamethrowers and stop using your stupid powers. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe call the Human Torch. Maybe call the Human Torch an Ant-Man. Right. And then you pretty much don't need to do anything. Marvel Girl goes to school with Johnny Storm, for God's sakes. We've already established that in this issue alone. Yeah, why establish that if you're not going to use him? I don't no, know. It doesn't make any sense. But uh, anyhow, um, they get into the X-Copter, and as they fly away, they see a car with a trailer on it. That's not what happens. No, there was another X on the map that was the next stop. So they fly out to that X, and that's where the trailer is. You wouldn't know that by looking at the issue. <laughs> no, you have to read it. 
I'm telling you, it was very hard to digest this text, okay? <laughs> Understood. All right. So anyways, they see this trailer, and we right, find so out. So here's the part that really, okay, inside the trailer is is Dr. Hopper, uh, the locust, mm-hmm. setting up his next batch of uh, accursed locusts. And then the professor. We don't know that it's the professor. We know it by the end of this page. <laughs> Not really, do we? Yeah, we do. Okay, because yeah, at the end of it, he says it's up to the X Men to stop him now. To stop him now. So the professor dresses up as a hobo, <laughs> a very classy looking hobo, though. <laughs> well, but he actually this hermit costume makes him kind of look like Sean Connery, like in in some you know sixties film. He just looks like a Scottish guy with his walking cane and his mustache and beard. Not too much of a hermit or a hobo. But why does he need to dress up like a hermit or a hobo? Why doesn't he just roll in as the professor or even walk in as the professor? He could be some bald guy in a suit. Look, I'm with you. There's many things wrong with this whole thing. But what they try to sell him is just some countryside hermit that wants to talk to the wasp. But Who knows, like, everything about him. <laughs> a, he doesn't look like a hermit. He looks like a very wealthy man. Uh, yeah. with a, He's got a cape, for God's sake. <laughs> cape right? and a cane. And, and B... Uh, the wasp, I'm sorry, the locust has never seen the professor, so why doesn't he walk up bald? Why doesn't he roll up bald? I'm with you. It's explained later that he feels that the hermit garb will help him, uh, will, will be more likely to convince him than the regular professor garb, which we're talking about Professor X again. <laughs> why doesn't he mind wipe him? That's a really good point. Why doesn't he just walk up in his hermit? Like, okay, so the hermit costume could be like to take him off guard and be like, what? what? Who's this guy? And then just mind wipe. Oh, yep, issue's over. Yeah, I mean, why does the professor feel compelled to convince him not to do this? Why doesn't he just like tinker with his brain a little bit and get exactly what he wants? So, yeah, I didn't even think about that when I was reading this. That's an excellent point. But so he doesn't do that and he fails to convince him to stop. And you know why he doesn't do it? It's because he's too concerned with dressing up and using his legs. These legs have gone to his head. He's like, I have to use one of my I'm the new professor. I have legs and I dress up in costumes. It's my new thing. Forget mind wipes. (laughs) And he knows that Marvel girl's there. So he's like, oh, if she can just see me walk. Then I've got a shot with her. Uh, it's just ridiculous. So I, I prefer the old mind wiping professor. <laughs> uh, so the locust, he just decides to fly away. He is basically, or he is angered by the, uh, the hermit. Mm-hmm. And so he flies away into the X-Men's kind of trap. Right, because he flies right into where the X-Men are waiting for him for some reason, and he wonders, how could this be? How could the X-Men know where I am? Cyclops thinks to himself, perfect planning. The professor in his hermit garb and mechanical (laughs) legs got the locust in sense enough to hop off right into our arms. Yep. And once again, the X-Men decide to fight the locust one-on-one. And he shows them up again. He knocks Beast back. He, well, okay. <laughs> uh, you know, here, here's here's what should have happened. Marvel Girl should have telekinetically lifted him into the air, and Cyclops should have shot his head off. <laughs> <laughs> Done. <laughs> no, it, well, that's not what happens at all. And um, Angel goes after him in the air, and he's like, 
I, I'm not going to let him use his stun ray on him. And then the locust says to himself, doesn't he realize that locusts have great peripheral vision? He's not a real locust. The guy's crazy. He's got he's got a locust costume though, so his Yeah. Little, his Who cares what locusts have and don't have? He's not a locust. He's a man in a locust costume. <laughs> Alright, fine. He doesn't have great peripheral vision. He has a locust costume. Maybe he's got oh, In fact his vision is probably less than normal because he's wearing a locust costume. He does have a very stupid helmet, and the helmet does look like it would restrict his neck movement, so you're probably right. He probably can't see very well to the left or right of himself. Anyway, so he was emulating Ant-Man before, and now he emulates Spider-Man. Yeah, because he's got webbing, too. And he throws some caterpillar webbing at Angel, which, of course, Angel flies right into. My question is, do locusts have caterpillar webbing, or is this just something... That they yeah do. they 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 spin oh uh, do they okay yeah, so it's based in some some fact some reality here they wrap themselves in this the that's what their cocoons are made of mm-hmm. so they spread their cocoons around their body and they emerge as beautiful butter, butterflies beautiful butterflies, butterflies as I almost said so then the locust pulls out a couple of little bug seeds or whatever you want to call them and shoots his um, flashlight at them to create his ultimate creation yeah these these bugs have been triply treated so they're super duper large mm-hmm they're huge beetles Marvel girl realizes that they're being controlled by the professor uh, the locust antennae dr so Hopper. she uses her telekinesis to twist the antennae together and and Somehow that manages to make the locusts or the 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 beetles go after the locust. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, uh, so the locust goes and flies back to his trailer, and the giant beetles attack the trailer. Yeah, so it's a good thing that um, Marvel Girl came back because the X Men would not have been able to do this without her. Yeah, Cyclops wouldn't have figured out that maybe he just blast a hole inside of the beetles and then blast the locust head off. Because that's all it really yeah. would have taken. Or maybe Iceman could have frozen somebody in a block of ice again. That would have to do a damage to a, even a giant insect, right? They could have created another ice spear and stabbed the beetles through the heart again. Or the locust. They could have stabbed the locust through the heart. They could have brutally murdered the locust and been done with this issue many, many pages ago. But or no, they could have mind-wiped him. They needed Marvel Girl to figure out to twist the uh, locust's antennae together. So uh, they actually end up saving the locust from the two attacking beetles, and they send the trailer and the locusts off into the nearby ocean because they're in Scotland, mm-hmm. <laughs> because the professor's dressed up like a Scottish man. And I, I don't actually know where they are, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess the giant beetles drown. Yes, they die. Another uh, gruesome murder of insects in this issue. And so this, again, I tuned out here, too. So he says, let these devilish devices, my sole remaining magno ray stun weapon, join my inventions beneath the waters. I'm done. I'm going to throw these away. And I must surrender to the authorities to pay debt for the harm I have caused. So once again, the X-Men on the honor system let a villain walk away to turn himself in. 
Yeah, this wink. could have been solved by a mind wipe in which they, at least they would have known that he was being honest. Yeah, and you know, it would have been one thing for them to be like, ah, oh, that stupid guy's gone. What a dummy. Boy, did he suck. Oh, I'm so glad that that's over. But no, the professor has to back it up with, if the locust returns leading an army of giant insects, even we might not be able to stop them. So why don't we kill him now? <laughs> yeah. Why are we waiting for that time to happen? If you're <laughs> predicting it now, let's just end it. We've already made predictions in the past and they've come true. I mean, Eunice and the Blob are still floating around. All right. Uh, the X-Men aren't, aren't killers. So let's say that they don't know how to kill him. Why don't they just mind wipe him? Mind wipe, <laughs> mind wipe, mind wipe. <laughs> Something. But anyways... Uh, that's this issue. And then so next issue, uh, we are promised that we will find out who this menacing figure is and what incredible power he has. To which I wonder, really? <laughs> this is a compelling enough image to say, oh, next issue is going to be awesome. I can't wait to see it. It's a guy in a funny hat with a mustache and light in his hands. Yeah, yeah. So... So that'll be exciting for us next week. And then we get, let's all find out together in X-Men 24. Okay, pussycat? Mm-hmm. Definitely something, some sort of kitty fetish over there in the Marvel bullpen in the 60s. I wonder if all the Marvel books at this time are getting all this pussycat nonsense. <laughs> getting the pussycat treatment. <laughs> well, anyways, there you go, folks. Um, what was that X-Men 23? Yeah. Worst issue so far. <laughs> I don't know if, uh, yeah. Worst issue so far. I feel like there was another one that was worse, but that's debatable. Uh, the, this issue really had nothing going for it. The, there may have been some stutters in the first 10 issues, but they, they at least have some classicness about them. This issue is utterly forgettable and utterly awful. About the only thing that could have happened, the only thing that means anything in this issue is that Jean Grey left the X-Men to go to college. That's it. Yeah. And the potential for Jean Grey not being in love with Scott anymore has, that potentiality has been raised. Yeah. And even that's not really all that exciting, <laughs> to be quite honest. No, but at least it's about the X-Men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you have it, folks. Um, let us know what you thought of this issue or our uh, retelling of this issue by visiting us at www.redcatproductions.com forward slash danger room or www.facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast podcast or Twitter us at at danger room go. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Or give us an iTunes review. Yes. Any one of those things would do. Or you can visit us, I told you, at that website and check out any of the issues uh, that, that are out there, all the back issues that we've got listed out there, and uh, leave a comment right on the web page because those yeah. are cool. People like to see those. We like to see those, and, and they're fun to read sometimes. Or send us an email at dangerroom at redcapproductions.com, I believe is the address. That's the one. So many ways to contact us. So, so many ways. Uh, and I... I got nothing else to say. I mean, I think I've pretty much uh, laid out my distaste for this issue. So any final words there, Adam? No, I, I got nothing. Uh, 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 close the doors. Sometimes I think we do the listener a favor by reading the issue so that they don't have to. 
<laughs> in fact, somehow we should try to incorporate that tagline in every so often. Um, <laughs> Reading the issues so that you don't have to. Natch. <laughs> Natch. Uh, so until next time, folks, this is Jeremy and Adam saying that the danger room is closed. After five weeks of steady munching, the infantry becomes airborne. <laughs> <laughs>